Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would know your presence now with us, where we would know that you are the bread of life, that you are the Word made flesh, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So let us hear you now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In college, while I was on summer project in Lake Tahoe, I participated in an international dinner. The goal of this was to show more tangibly the access different people in the world have to the gospel message and to the church. Those participating who represented the U.S., countries in South America, Europe, Africa, and Asia, were given different types and amounts of food. The food was to represent the access people in those countries had to the gospel message and to the church. They did not know this, though. They just thought they were having dinner. Another group of us, which I was a part of, was across the street and were fully aware of the idea. We represented the people who had no, no access or little access to the gospel message in the church. We were the unreached people groups. We had to create cultures and obstacles to those who might eventually realize that we were missing from the dinner, come across the street to find us, and try to share food with us. Those representing the U.S. had a huge meal, steaks, potatoes, salad, rolls, etc. The food was in such abundance and so luxurious, they did not realize what was happening and ate unaware. Some gorged and a few threw up, they ate so much. Their hunger and thirst were beyond satisfied. But still, they did not see the needs of those around them. Some had vegetables to eat. Others had only popcorn to eat. Still, some were not even there and had nothing to eat. This is often how we live life. We look to satisfy our needs to the point that we get lost along the way. As Stephen mentioned last week, we long more for sometimes the satisfaction of the need rather than the one who satisfies. We miss the signs and the warnings. We miss the whole point and to our detriment. Or we are too easily satisfied and don't long for that which would truly satisfy. This week we will look at what we are being offered what we are being given. As the people listen in the plains of Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, to the recounting of their journey out of Egypt and of the law, they must think of the stories of the Garden of Eden. Here they are after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness because of the lies told by the spies sent into the land and the rebellion that happened because of those lies because of their disobedience and listening to the words of men rather than the word of the Lord. They must think of the stories of Eden because the land into which they are entering sounds like the garden. They are told here in Deuteronomy 8, the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, 
and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. How does this not sound like the Garden of Eden to them after they've been wandering in the wilderness and eating manna day in and day out for 40 years? How do the children envision this land when all they have known is wilderness and manna? It must be because of the stories of the Garden of Eden. They will be entering this good land that the Lord is giving to them, and he will be with them and for them. There are more echoes of the story of the garden in this passage of Deuteronomy 8 as well. The story of the garden is also a warning. Adam and Eve were given the garden as a land of goodness and beauty. They were given the tree of life from which to eat. God was present with them, walked with them. God spoke to them, and they were to live on the word of God, trusting in him for their understanding of good and evil, obedience and disobedience. But even in the garden, Adam and Eve were susceptible to the words of the serpent and chose to not live by the word of the Lord and instead ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In disobedience, rather than obedience, they learned about good and evil, and there was a great fall. They were cast out of this good land given to them and into the wilderness. Here in Deuteronomy 8, the people must think by the description of the good land that the Lord is bringing them into, that they are re-entering the garden their earliest ancestors were cast out of. They must remember what led to Adam and Eve being cast out into the wilderness. They must remember the provision of the Lord whether they are in the wilderness or in the garden. They must remember that the Lord is with them and for them. The Lord also remembers that story. He tells the people, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Then he reminds them not to forget the wilderness lesson because he knows their hearts and the hearts of their forefathers and mothers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. God remembers how Adam and Eve were persuaded by the serpent in the garden and the sorrowful day when they needed to be cast out so that they would not live forever apart from him. God remembers how the people grumbled when they were brought out of Egypt, rescued from lives of slavery so unbearable that they cried out for help and rescue and forgot when they entered freedom how wonderful their redemption was. They forgot because they were hungry and thirsty. Two months into their journey, as they reached the wilderness of sin, as we read last week in Exodus 16, the people said, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. In the Lord's mercy, he answered their grumbling by providing them with manna from heaven. But they did not listen to the word of the Lord as they gathered it and kept the manna. They were warned not to keep it overnight, but they did. It bred worms and stank. God remembers how the spies lied and reported in fear rather than trust to the people about the land, and the people rebelled in response because they would not live by the word of the Lord. For 40 years he provided them manna from heaven as they wandered in the wilderness in discipline for their rebellion. 
They were not yet ready to enter the land. Their hearts were not yet thankful for what the Lord had done and the provision he had provided. But the Lord our God is patient, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Here in Deuteronomy 8, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, their punishment or discipline was complete. Their hearts were thankful and ready to enter. Still the Lord knows their hearts and ours and how easily they and we forget. So he reminds them why they were disciplined and for what purpose in verse 3. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He reminds them because he knows that when they come into the good land and have the good food and drink to the full, that their full bellies will forget the goodness of the Lord and his provision. They will forget that they were rescued and brought out of Egypt. They will forget the loving kindness of the Lord. This is why they are reminded of the times in their calendar set up for them in the rest of Deuteronomy to remember. This is why the sacrificial system is set up in the book of Leviticus. All of this so that they do not grow fat on the land and forget the goodness of the Lord. All of this so they do not grow fat on the land and forget that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He reminds them because he knows the book of Judges. He knows the constant reminders the prophets will bring to the people. He knows the future exile that will happen because they will forget. He knows that he will send his son, the word made flesh, to live the life they were meant to live and die the death they deserve to die so that we might live and feast on the word of God. John echoes the creation in the garden with his introduction to his gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here John is telling us the word has now come in the flesh. The word of God, which the Israelites were given before entering the promised land, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This word has come down from heaven to give life to the world. This word has come down from heaven to become man, to live as man, to walk with man. This word has come down from heaven to bring salvation to the people of God. In John 6, Jesus explains the will of the Father in sending the Son. In verses 47 through 51, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus coming down from heaven is the bread of life. The word of God made flesh, the word by which man lives and has life. He is the true bread, the bread that does not just satisfy hunger for a little while. He is the true bread, the bread that brings life. 
Jesus does what we could never do for ourselves, what no one could do for themselves. He feeds us the life-giving bread, not the bread that only satisfies hunger, but the bread that satisfies all people and all hunger and gives life eternal. Bread that restores what was broken and gives life where there is death. We cannot feed ourselves. Adam and Eve could not. The Israelites could not. We cannot. Jesus lives by every word of the Lord because he is the word of the Lord. In John 6, we see this mutual giving between the Father and the Son. First, the Father gives to the Son in verses 37 through 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The Father gives to the Son the word, those who believe in him as the Son of God, the word of God. The Father gives to the Son those who would eat in faith the bread of life. He gives them to the Son that the Son would raise them up on the last day. Only those who eat of the bread of life in faith will be raised up on the last day. He gives them to the Son that the Son would keep them, feed them, give them life, and raise them up on the last day. Then we see the Son giving to the Father in the sacrificial language of verse 51. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus offers up, gives his body, his life, to the Father on behalf of the world. Only Jesus can do this because he is the Word of God, the Word made flesh. Only Jesus' sacrifice will bring life to the world and to the people of God. Only Jesus' sacrifice will have the power to keep the people of God in faith. Only Jesus' sacrifice will restore the right relationship of the people with God the Father. Only Jesus' sacrifice will undo the disobedience in the garden and remake a people faithful to live by the word of the Lord. This is what Jesus offers you today. He offers you the bread of life, the bread from heaven to eat in faith and to receive eternal life. As the psalmist tells us in Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see how gracious the Lord is. Blessed is the one who trusts in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you that are his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The Lord is near to those who are brokenhearted, and he will save those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord delivers the soul of his servants, and all those who put their trust in him shall not be destitute. Come to Jesus. Come, lay your burdens down at the feet of Jesus and rely not on your own efforts, your own attempts to feed yourselves. Come, take refuge in him. Come, you brokenhearted and you crushed in spirit. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. Come in faith and take and eat of the bread of life 
and receive that which only Jesus can give. Receive that which satisfies the hunger of your soul. Receive life from him who is the only one who can give life. Come and be restored to the Lord our God. Amen.